One of the hardest questions that I'm ever asked is, why do bad things happen? I mean, if God is so good, then why does he allow horrible things to happen to good people? And I've never come up with a good answer. Honestly, I've wrestled with this in my heart over and over. But when I'm looking into the face of someone filled with sadness and pain and heartache, I never know what to say. And in those moments, I find myself doubting God as much as the people that are hurting. What is our response when our lives are turned upside down? What should it be? It's nice to think that everything happens for a reason. We should trust God. Everything's going to be okay. But in those moments, all those phrases feel like is some constructed sentence of a person that has never felt this kind of pain. Time heals all wounds. But what if the wound is so fresh you can still feel it bleed underneath the bandage? Time might as well stand still. If you are hurting so deeply, so painfully, that you can't imagine living another day with this pain, are those phrases helpful? How do we trust God in those moments? So many in scripture struggled with this issue. We see stories from the beginning of the book to the end of people who had to make the choice. Do I trust God in spite of tragedy? One of the most famous couples in scripture faced this choice, Mary and Joseph. For Mary, nothing could have been more unexpected than the news that the angel gave her. Here was a young girl who had her whole life in front of her, engaged to a faithful and loving man with a stable career, surrounded by encouragement of friends and family. And in one night, with one sentence, it was flipped upside down. Despite the miraculous visit from God's messenger, she knew she would never be able to convince everyone about how she became pregnant and fear crept in. Knowing what that meant for her, for a Jewish girl, pregnancy before marriage was more than just sinful. It was a mark of the highest scandal. She was no longer worthy of her betrothed. In fact, he could have her executed if he wanted. And even if Joseph just sent her away, she could no longer return home either. Custom said that her father must disown her. Despite all of this, Mary's response was simple. May it be done according to God's will. She trusted the words the angel had spoken, and she trusted that God was at work in the midst of her circumstances. But we wouldn't blame her for having a different response, would we? Why me? You could almost hear her saying those words, or let this happen to anyone else but me. These are the first things that come to mind when something unexpected or tragic happens. It's difficult to say, let it be done according to God's will. When God feels like a million miles away, when our minds are littered with so many unanswered questions, why 
is this happening? Why haven't you stopped this, God? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Where are you? Why? Our 20-week ultrasound. Uh, that's when we. That's when our world changed. So we got the bad news that Mitchell had a severe birth defect, and that he had a very rare genetic condition called Emanuel syndrome. genetic disorder, which affects the 11th and 22nd uh, chromosome. It's an unbalanced translocation. Basically, it's you pray, why, can't, why couldn't it have been Down syndrome? That's something you can deal with. That's something that you can, the child lives. We were presented with a couple of options. Um, uh, we could stay at home, or we could go over to another hospital that specialized in this sort of thing. They recommended the University of Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And so we knew that was going to mean splitting the family up. In addition to the problems that we had, we would have to take care of the kids that we had at home and try to maintain a sense of normalcy. The more meetings we had, the more fetal MRIs we had, it just kept getting worse and worse. Uh, lung functionality was non-existent. Um, the prognosis after the birth was, was probably the worst news because we would have a son that we would care for in the same sense that you would a child in infancy, taking care of every last need um, for the rest of their life. There wasn't a day that went by where we were not personally and professionally encouraged to stop. Let's just abort the child. Let's not go any further. Let's just make this end. But God's plan wasn't over. We had to see that all the way through. I was in labor. Um, I had a bad reaction to the epidural, which dropped my blood pressure. The lowest reading I had was 37 over 17, which is almost dead and uh, so they it took a while to get me stable once I was stable that's when uh, Mitchell's heart rate began to drop and they had to rush me in for an emergency surgery but once Mitchell was delivered the doctor rushed him out of the room and that was my inkling that I knew Mitchell was not going to survive they called me in and said would you like to hold your son and I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it, 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 it was walking the door and there's my son laying there and he's, he's being, they're trying desperately hard to resuscitate him and to work on him. And it is probably the most helpless feeling I have ever felt. This was a situation so completely out of my control. So I just, I just sat there and just, just looked at him and just talked to him prayed to God with him. And it's beautiful. It, 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 was, it was one of the, 
one of the greatest moments of my life, getting to uh, e easily the best, best moments. Uh, just uh, holding him, watching him breathe, and feeling him move around, grabbing hold of my finger, just uh, sat there and talked to him until I handed him off to his other father. Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful moment. It was a great exchange. On this earth, he was here for 45 minutes. I carried him for nine months. In the midst of all that grief. And I can't convey, unless you've lost a child, the utter grief that's there. There was so much peace that was there. The... Um, God promises a peace that passes all understanding, and I can't explain that either. I can't explain the peace I had, knowing that he wasn't going to suffer, that the first eyes he ever saw was the face of Jesus. The days after that were the hardest days of my life, by far. The grief, I can't even explain the grief. The sorrow, the anger, there was still so much peace. That's the closest I've ever felt to God. I have that hope that I'm, I will see my son again.
That was rough, wasn't it? Talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Because that's what John and April and their family walked through. It's what Summer walked through. It's really what Mary and Joseph walked through. And it's certainly what Jesus walked through, even though he invaded earth on Christmas. And he died on Good Friday and he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday. We, we've all experienced pain of different kinds. Thankfully, most of us have not experienced the kind of pain in the story of John and April Lindsay. Few know that. We all know the loss. We've all lost friends or we've lost family members. We, we know some pains. We, we know the pain of plans that have been punted. Things that you hoped would be one way didn't end up that way. Stories that you would have written one way who, that, that ended up another way. Frustration. Une, you know, things that are unexpected. See, this was not the Lindsay's plan for Mitchell. They find out they're pregnant. They already have children. And then they find out they're going to have a son. And, and uh, I'm sorry, ladies, but there's just something about when a dad finds out he's going to have a boy. So I'm sorry. I apologize. But isn't that right, guys? Only then later to see the trouble in the doctor's eyes and realize something is wrong. It's amazing how quickly our plans can unravel. Our hopes can fall apart. Our dreams can be shattered. The fact is that we're all on plan B squared, aren't we? Really, none of us are. Really, if, you'd have said, if we could interview you 10 years ago and say, where would you be? Who would you be married to? What would you be doing? What would your life be like? Most of us would not be exactly doing, being where we are today because we've all had unexpected things happen to us. 
And so the question is, what are you going to do when unexpected things enter your life? How are you going to respond when the unexpected rears its head? Because that's what happened to Mary. This whole deal was unexpected. See, Mary had plans. Her and Joe, man, they had some plans. They were going to get married. They were engaged. They were betrothed. It was, the, it was a done deal. They were childhood sweethearts. They talked about their family. They talked about their future. They talked about what they're going to do with their kids. They, they talked about Joe taking over his father's carpentry, carpentry business. This whole deal was laid out. And then, and then things begin to change. There is a startling shift of events that, that we look back and think, well, that's Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. So, but for Mary, it was, it was her plans were gone. What she thought would happen, everything that she had looked for and hoped for, all those things in just a moment were gone. Let me give you, a, let me give you, if, you if you're a list taker, you can take some, let me give you a list of some shocking things that happened in the life of Mary. Number one, an angel shows up. Now, if Gabriel pops his head into your bedroom tonight, it's going to be shocking. You're laying in bed and the angels, I mean, it's just going to be shocking. Would you agree with that? In Luke 1, chapters 26, we see this, we picked the story. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, again, when an angel shows up, it's going to rock your world, isn't it? I mean, you're not going to say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? Not only was it shocking that he showed up, then it was shocking what he called her. Hell, favored one. See, if an angel shows up, and actually I've written a book that will probably come out next year about what an angel would call you if he showed up at your house, through, really through the book of Daniel. But this is what happens. An angel shows up says, favored one, what would he call you. So she sought, shot, live verse 29. But she was very perplexed at the statement, the fact that he was there, and the fact that what he said to her, it kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Why is he here? And why has he called me a favored one? What is the deal? Much like April and John, the, the Lindsays, they, they had their plans done. They were moving forward. We're painting the nursery blue. We've got the name. Everything is done. We're moving forward only to find out the news at the 20th week. See, again, you never know when the news is going to come. Until so the angels showed up with some news. The second thing that was rocking and shocking to Mary was the message that the angel had when he showed up. She will carry the Messiah. Now, she Mary, as a good Jewish young lady, and Joseph, a good Jewish young man in the lineage of King David, were looking forward to the Messiah. She was not looking forward to carrying him. I mean, we're all looking forward to going to heaven, right? Just not probably this weekend. And so in, in chapter 1, verse 30 of the book of Luke, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign for, over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, 
<laughs> Time out. Hold up. How can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel said to her, Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. So an angel shows up, shocking. Now, we don't think it's shocking because it's part of the Christmas story, right? Put yourself in Mary's position. Again, read the scripture with a little bit of, a little bit of holy imagination of what's going on. You're going to carry the Son of God. Now, how does Mary feel? She's perplexed. She doesn't know what's going on. Wait, what about Joseph? What about our plans? What about our children? What about our future? What about our family? We had this whole thing laid out. This is not, well, this is not the deal. So what does she do? She packs a bag and puts it in B for Boogie and takes off, trying to process through, trying to get her mind around what's happened. And she goes to visit Aunt Liz, where we find shock number three, the welcome she receives from her Aunt Elizabeth in chapter 1, verse 39. Now, at this time, Mary rose and went in a hurry to the hill country. See, she's going to get out of Dodge. I mean, she's out of there. She doesn't know what to do. And that's what happens. There's a, there's a period of, of, of wondering, of processing when, when unexpected things happen in your life. Went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice, said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and now has... And now has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. That's a shocking welcome. For behold, when the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. That's a shocking event, is it not, ladies? I mean, she was going to go to Elizabeth, Aunt Liz, and hang out for a few days and try to get her mind around that. She walks in. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit of God. Her baby's doing cartwheels inside when she hears the, when, when, when John the Baptist hears the voice of, of his aunt who was carrying his cousin, Jesus. This is a wild deal going on here. This is not, you know, I mean, we think of Rockwell and the painting and the Christmas cards. This is a big deal that's happening. Does that make sense? Again, you got you to read. Then fourth thing that happens to her, another shocking that's just happening back to back is she's forced to go to Bethlehem. That wasn't her plan, but she's forced to go to Bethlehem. They didn't want to go. She's nine months pregnant and, and didn't want to happen. In chapter 2 of Luke, verse 1, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone on his way to register for the census. Each to his own city, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Now, ladies, is it, is it difficult to travel in your ninth month? Are you sure? You ever done it donkey back? Because, see, I've been, I've been on this journey. I've been right here from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a brutal walk. 
It's a difficult trek, and she's nine months pregnant riding a donkey. Now, I know the doctor tells you in your ninth month, hey, walk a little bit, it'll help you. I've never heard a doctor say, ride a donkey, it'll help you. <laughs> but that's what's going on. It was, a, it was a very difficult deal. Let me give you the fifth rocking, shocking deal that happens to Mary. That's just, that's, all these things are unexpected. Number five, the shepherds show up. <laughs> now, you go to the end, there's no room, right? You find a barn. A barn. Some of you germaphobes think about giving birth in a barn. I mean, there are people here who don't want to shake hands. There are people here, it's flu season, I mean, they don't want to do communion because you might have touched their piece of cracker. Well, see, in that day, they didn't understand germs. We understand germs, don't we? Ladies, birth in a, in a cow, in a, in a cow barn. That's rough business. And then finding some old rags and putting them together and laying your baby in a feed trough. So the shepherds show up. Chapter 2. Now, after this, after she's done all this, the shepherds show up. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And third shift shepherds. I love this. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. In Jesus, good news. He's good news. Even in when life, man, changes, when there's a change up, we don't, man, Jesus is good news. I bring you good news of great joy, which is for the, all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, wouldn't you love to have a video? Man, I'd love to see that. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to another, let's go check this out. Wouldn't you? They're not far. Let's go to Bethlehem, straight to Bethlehem, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Why us? Who knows? So they came in a hurry, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. As he lay in the manger, when they had seen this, they made known to the state, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told by the, shep by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering, wondering, processing, trying to get a grip around what was happening to them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying God and pray, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as the Lord had told him. Now, ladies, is that a shocking turn of events for Mary? I mean, it's just, you, you were shocked when you found out you were pregnant and you weren't a virgin. If you were, we need to know about it. <laughs> so it did. Now you may have been surprised, but this whole deal for Mary, the angel, the whole deal, all this is rolling. Roll back to John and April. The shock, the frustration, the denial. No, this can't happen. The test is wrong. This cannot be. How could they wrap their their minds, their hearts around this? This 
these, these unexpected events that were going off in their little 20-week-old baby boy in his mother. The question really is, though, this. What will we do? What will you do when the events turn so quickly that you never expected? When you had a plan A and plan B unfolds, when you wanted to go left and the only way you could go is right, when, 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 when life unfolds in a way such that is so opposite and contrary to what you were looking, hoping, praying, and thinking about, what are you going to do? John and April turned to God. Did they have questions? You bet they did. Even as you heard April say it was angry, I, you know, there's denial, there's, there's all these things that are going on. But I want you to know they did the same thing that Mary did. See, Mary rejected the world's way is tell God no, isn't it? Tell God no. And the world's way for John and April is just abort that child. But John and April knew that choice wasn't theirs that that was a God choice. I don't care what the laws are in America. God is the only one that gives life. And so, and so they said no to the world's way and yes to God's way. Did they have problems? You bet. Did they grieve? You heard the story. Did they struggle through? But what they did is they responded to God the same way Mary responded to God. If you go back to chapter 1 in Luke's Gospel, 38th chapter, this is what she said. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. A bond slave, it is one that is completely owned and has no rights. To, they, the, the bond slave, the doulos, does exactly what the master says. Actually, a bond slave is someone who did their service and was free and said, I don't want to be free. I willingly make myself a slave. She said, I willingly make myself a slave to God of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary said, this was not my plan. This was not what I was looking for. This is not what I was hoping for. This is not what I was thinking about. Joe and I had a whole other deal, but we will do whatever God wants. May it be done to me according to his word. And then in verse 46 of the same chapter, Luke, verse chapter 1, she goes into what's called the magnificent. She goes in and, and writes a hymn or writes a psalm, if you were. A psalm is a song. The book of Psalms, it, the book of Psalms is a book of songs. They were all sang in the Old Testament. And she said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit is rejoicing my God, my Savior, for he has regarded, he has regarded for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me as blessed. That is vision. 21 centuries later, who are we talking about? Talking about Mary. She saw what nobody else, Joseph, nobody else got. She already got it when she surrendered to the will of God. For, this, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. She, she goes into, in the middle of her processing, in the middle of all this breaking loose, in the middle of what will Joseph do, what will people think, what will happen to me, in the middle of an uncertain future, she breaks out 
in one of the most glorious hymns ever written and exalts God. That church is real faith in action. That's trusting God. And we all have experienced unexpected events. So what do we do? We're processing, we're doubting, we're angry, we're questioning, we're looking and saying, but wait a minute, God, this is not. But in the midst of that, we've got to stop and worship God no matter what is happening around us. Come on, somebody. This is what we need to do is believe Romans 8.28. And we know, we what? We know that God causes some things. How many? What about the bad things? The sad things. The unexpected things. If we really trust God, if we really trust God like Mary, then we will, we will know that God will cause all things to work together for what? To those who what? And those who are called according to to his purpose. That's us. That's us. Now, let me tell you what I believe. I believe Mitchell is having a great day in heaven. I really do. And I don't don't know who's going first, John, April, or me, but I'd love to be standing somewhere near the pearly gates when John, April, and Lindsay walk in and Jesus walks up with little Mitchell says, hey, mom and dad, I'll introduce you to somebody. This is Mitchell. See that? Man, that is what they, see, because we are born again, because we have a hope that the world doesn't have, they can know one day they're going to be reunited with Mitchell. That rocks, doesn't it? Somebody get, got some praise about that. Woo! John got 45 minutes. April got nine months but they will spend forever. See, our time on earth is not even a blip on the eternal radar, but they're going to be there. My question to you is this. If you're listening, Sam, will you trust God when you get thrown a curveball? Because we're, we're all at the plate, aren't we? And we all get thrown curveballs, don't we? I mean, just look where you, where you are, the circumstances in your life you never dreamed You'd be here, and here you are. Because as we did a alignment a couple years ago, plan B, we're all on plan Z cubed. Will we trust God? Well, you know what I what's so appreciate about John and April is they're still planted at Faith Promise. They were planted in their group. They are planted in this church. And when all hell broke loose for them, the church wrapped around them. When they said, I don't understand, all you could do is hug somebody and love on them. When they're in the midst of that. And you know, we ask April and John to relive a very difficult moment in their life. We ask Summer to relive a very difficult period of her life. But you know what Summer, John, and April have done? They've turned the channel. They're not living in the past. Because John and April have a great family and they have great kids and they're here and they love God. Summer, the same way. There's difficulty. We all have it. Listen, you could choose to be stuck in the past or you can turn the channel. See, the channel of your mind, the remote is in all, each of our hands, right? You can change the channel. 
John and April are living in victory. Summer is living in victory, and you too can live in victory. Because just like April said, as she quoted the word, that peace that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Why, Pastor? I don't know why. Why is the wrong question? The question is what? What's next? I don't get it, but I love you, God. I don't understand, but I trust you, God, and I'm going to follow you. Some of you may have been coming, maybe your first time at, across all of our campuses. And, and you know, man, this has been, a, this has been a, an emotional, an emotional message, an emotional story for lots of people. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you could be at Campbell or you could be at Anderson or you could be at Blunt or you could be at North Knox or you could be on our internet campus or at Pellissippi. But if you've, you look at your life and you've wondered, maybe you were bitter and angry at God, but you're, about, you're ready to say, I don't understand why the curveballs have come, but I want to put my trust and faith in God. And if you understand that you've sinned, as we all have, and that, that you want to give him all your trust and you're ready to ask him to forgive you and, and you're, ready to, you're ready to repent and turn and walk with him, then he's ready to receive you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So with every head bow, if you're ready to pray this confessional prayer, you're ready to surrender your will to the will of God. You're ready to surrender your personal sovereignty to the control and sovereignty of God. You're ready to be born again. Then we're going to pray this prayer with you out loud. Come on, faith promises, pray it. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Lord. I put my faith in you. I turn from my old life, and I turn to Jesus. Save me. Thanks for hearing me. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give God some praise in the house. Wow. Now, if you're on the Internet campus, you can go uh, to the chat room, or you can Click that commitment card, right, communication card right there. Somebody will get in touch with you. Uh, if you are, uh, what, we're just a minute, we'll go dismiss, and there'll be some people across the front love to pray with you. Or if you, if you just gave your heart to Jesus with me, if you take the, your communication card and fill it out, just put your name, your email, a cell number that you answer, and we will call you. We'll get in touch with you and tell you about the next step, a great next step is our Next Steps class. We'll be starting first of the year. Uh, you can sign up for those at our Next Steps areas, or you can sign up, uh, you, you know, you can, they're just, you can sign up for a group or serve. There are a lot of things for you, but if you'll fill that out, we'll help you to the next step. You can put your co uh, communication card in the offering box, or you could take them to the next step, and we'll be here for you. Now, in every chair, Frank, let me see that. One of those right there. Thank you. It's time. Y'all remember this for this year? Some of y'all started, remember? And you bailed? Get a do-over. I'm not a very good golfer. And when I go up to the tee box and I hit a ball 90 degrees left or right, I shout mulligan, and I put another ball down, and I strike it. <laughs> Typically, it follows the first ball. But you get a do-over. You get a do-over. 2014 is almost gone. We're giving these out this weekend, next weekend. Highlight reel of 2014 is going to be amazing. Uh, and, and the new Bob Regan record, 
I did a 21-day devotion to go with our 21 days of fasting that starts on the 5th. Some of you will be gone next weekend. That's why we're giving these out this weekend. And uh, so take these. They're in every chair. Our ushers will replenish them. Because really, take out of the next week, work on your growth plan, get ready, because 2015 is going to rock in the house of God at Faith Promise Church. Amen. So have y'all enjoyed this series? Has this not been amazing? Come on. Man. All the stories, and our creative team, Pastor Micah, our, our creative team, they have worked around the clock. It's, it's, if you see all the effort they put into doing videos and stuff, it is just, it, it's just unbelievable. What a great team we have. Listen, I just pray you have the most Merry Christmas you've ever had. I pray you get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I pray you get some good rest at the end of the year and that we hit 2015 like a holy hammer for God. Amen. We love you. Be blessed. See you next weekend.